When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody. You're welcome once again to The Game on Sunday podcast. Mike and Lester here with you. And once more, I am joined by Tomas Mulcahy and by Martin Carney to discuss everything in Gaelic Games. And there's a lot going on, of course, at the moment, as we all know. Um, I don't know whether to start, lads, with football or with hurling. Martin, let's, let's start with football. Um, mm-hmm. What jumped out with you from, from the weekend? I suppose the fact that Derry are, are still flying it, like at the top of the standings, kind of, you know, has to be a big thing. Uh, very much. It's, it, it has to be a big thing. Like, I mean, again, beating Galway in Salt Hill, as <laughs> you say yourself, in a very cold Salt Hill on Sunday, yeah, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was a very, very good result. I would question one of the Derry goals, actually, the one that for um, one of their forwards, I think, changed the ball from one hand to the other. That, to me, is a free out in Gaelic football, but um, I thought he got away with that. But there's no doubt about it under Mickey Hart. Mickey seems to be just on that winning streak at the moment. And playing a strong team in every possible game, you know, g- getting huge games again, I think I think you would have seen at the weekend, uh, particularly from Conor Glasser on the middle of the park and that. And um, up front, like, the, the, you know, the likes of Shane McGuigan and those, they're getting scores. I think um, McGuigan got a goal in two points in the game. But overall, I think... Um, they're just, they're, they put themselves in a nice position. Like they're probably guaranteed at this stage a place in the, in the, um, in the league final. They've got eight points. They've twice as many points as any of the other teams. And I think one more game or one more win in the remaining games, the remaining games being against, I think it's Dublin the next day, which will be, uh, next weekend, which will be a big one. They're the one after that. Then there is, there is, um, away to Mayo. One final game of this is at home to Roscommon. And they'll get sufficient points out of those three games, I think, to bring them into a league final. 
And I suppose that's where Mickey Hart wanted to bring them, just develop the winning habit. But Galway, like when you think about it, they have so many players missing at the moment, seven at least, I think, that they would normally kind of, uh, seven top players, like like say Jack Glynn, Lean Silk, you didn't have Damien Comer, you didn't have Shane Walsh the last day. I think when those guys reintegrate into the team, get a little bit of match sharpness, Galway are going to be in a good place. And the guy that has impressed me, Saul's Hill lad, uh, John Maher, I thought when I saw him in the first game of the league this year against Mayo, he looked very, very blunt. He didn't seem to have a lot of a lot going for him. But the last couple of games, he's really grown into a formidable um, midfielder. And Galway will be very, very um, happy about that. So that was, the, the I suppose, the, the, one of the games that jumped out at me. The other one was obviously the Dublin Monaghan, or uh, the, the Dublin Kerry game in Croke Park. Um, I thought the football that Dublin played was delightful. And, um, you know, scoring 3-18 against Kerry, Kerry just kind of reeling from an early stage. Con Callaghan's hat-trick would have been a big, big thing this weekend. But I bring up one point in it, uh, Michael, and it's happened also in the Tyrone Mayo game. The penalties in each of those games were given for fouls outside a large rectangle. Now, the large rectangle in Gaelic football is the penalty area. And yes. to me, to me, I'm beginning to question about this business of players being given a pe- teams being given a penalty if the referee deems that the foul that happened outside that large rectangle was going to result in a goal. Now, yes. this is honestly this is going to cause a lot of trouble. I think later on in the championship, it's going to kind of okay. I think the black card. And shall we say sanction is sufficient for that, but to add a penalty to it, I'm not for it. A penalty area, a large rectangle, is the penalty area per se, and should be left at that. No complication beyond that by kind of leaving it to a referee's interpretation that the guy who was fouled outside was going to score a goal. Like I just think it adds in the greyest of grey areas, and from what I've seen of the Conor Callaghan penalty the last day and the Killian O'Connor penalty in, up in the Mayo and um, the Mayo Throne game that I was at, and um, I just wouldn't agree with, and I feel it's something that needs to be looked at. But is this not a problem that's in in both codes, maybe more in football than it is in hurling? That there are rules kind of being imposed on top of rules, and, yeah. and when when do we stop all this business of well, tweaking things, tweaking things to a point where it's it's getting literally dizzy? It, it's well, incredible, I, Mike. It's it's incredible, Michael. And I, and I was listening to Martin there, and I, I didn't realize that Martin. To be honest with you, if yes. If, it's deemed as a goal-scoring chance, but it's outside the rectangle. It's outside the rectangle, and yet you can, you can award, still you can award, award penalty. You can award the penalty. Oh my God, what a farce! What? A farce. Like, well, I, I think it's a total farce as well, Tomas. And uh, like I've said that, like Conor Callaghan's that penalty, and uh, I think that that offence, shall we say, happened outside the penalty, the large rectangle. Jordan Flynn, the Mayo player, was found outside the large rectangle as he bore down on goals. And the Tyrone centre back in in the in the uh, in that particular game, I, I think he was. I'm not sure who it was. It it was maybe uh, Corbett Quinn. He was given the black card, but that's sufficient. That's sufficient. Yeah. Like, like, and, 
And Michael, Michael, look, we welcome the new president, uh, Jarrod Burns, on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's a fantastic achievement for him, and we uh, we wish him well in, in his tenure. But he was out very quickly in terms of his comments afterwards that he wants to make football more attractive and more entertaining for people. But how's he going to do that, Martin? In terms of like, who who's making all these changes to the rules in terms of that black card and that rectangle and the marking? That's right. I mean, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm are, I, again. Are they, are they worsening football, or are they making it better? Well, I don't think they're making it better. I don't think the forward mark is making it better. It just allows, for example, a defender of you know displaying his defensive skills and trying to shepherd, shall we say, the catcher of the ball away from the actual goal, so to speak. The mark in Gaelic football was used to encourage long kicking and to encourage high fielding. But most of the marks that I see, the ball is kind of, shall we say, caught around the belly or caught around the chest. That's right. Absolutely. And it hasn't. It, it, yeah. it, it it hasn't. It hasn't enhanced, shall we say, the amount of um, long high kicking that it was intended to actually achieve. The other thing about it too, and um, who is doing this? Well, John Tobin has been in charge of the committee over the last number of years, and I think it has done remarkable work on looking at the ratio, for example, of one part of it, the ratio of hand passes to foot passes in football. It has now exceeded 3.2 to 1. And so what Jarrett Burns has done, the first thing he has done, he has set up a committee headed by Jim Gavin. I think it is Eamon Fitzmaurice, it is um, James Horn, um, Maliki Rook, uh, um, I think Con- uh, Colin Collins, the ex-player manager, and uh, Colin Nally, and they're going to see are there ways that Gaelic football can be improved as a spectator sport because a lot of people see the endless repetitive use of the hand pass, the lateral play that is norm in the game now, they're seeing that as taking away from the attractiveness of the code and it'll be fascinating to see what this committee come up with and Gerald Burns made the point afterwards that next year is the year that you can introduce new rules. So perhaps maybe we would see something that might improve the game. And incidentally, another thing that maybe a lot well, of... Martin, Martin, Martin could rather include new rules. Could you take out some of them that they've already introduced? Because they ain't working in my view. And I, I, I'm looking at from the outside world in, Michael, unless there, I don't know what you're thinking as well, right? And you just mentioned at the start of the programme, Martin, about Dublin and the quality of football that they've played. Why can't everybody What I'm that? thinking, to ask that, that, you, that you pose that issue, uh, what I'm thinking about it is, you know, there there is a complexity in the rules. We can all see that. And and as you guys said, uh, Jarrod Barnes is looking to, to kind of improve that scenario on more football uh, as we know it, if you like. Um but the bottom line is, if managers and and people behind teams set up structures, you can't stop them from setting up those structures. You can't write a rule book to say, do this and don't do that. You know, they they will they will find ways yeah. of of working around all that. Yeah, and the, the thing about it, Thomas and Michael. Whatever you introduce next year, it has to be kind of applicable all the way down to club level. 
And like, for example, what I'm thinking of, like I've heard people talking about a shot clock in Gaelic football. I've talking, I've heard people talking about a half court in Gaelic football, that when you go over the halfway line, you cannot go back into your own half of the field. Yes, I see that workable. But a shot clock, that's all right in Grove Park and Torres and Cork. But cheapers in a in a you know in, in a rural venue, there's not a hope of having that implemented. Sure. Yeah, we had the same with Hawkeye, Martin. We don't have Hawkeye in a lot of places still, right? You know, and that's right. You know, so when you yeah. see, yeah, when you when, when you saw a fabulous example of that two weeks ago, like when uh, Dublin played Roscommon in Grove Park, and Roscommon had a legitimate goal and um, disallowed because. Um, they felt it was hand passed into the net, whereas it was actually deflected off a Dublin player. Now, Hawkeye would have picked up on that. But again, you're right, Tomas, unless you have that Hawkeye in every ground, in every intercounty ground where games are played, then it's it, 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 there's not a sense of equity about things. There's not. There's not. No, no, yeah, yeah. Tomas, let's talk a small bit of Harley for the moment. And um, on good news for him, I'm quite the disappointed there. Like, I'm just disappointed Michael uh, Martin passed on and Cork's winning against Fermanagh. But maybe we'll come back to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, so we, we can come back to it. There's plenty of time. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah. Uh, Cork Hurlers, uh, a win on the, uh, at last, if you like. You know, not at last, but a win. You know, so that, that has to be a, a positive from the weekend. Oh, yeah, very much so, Michael. Um, it, it had to come, to be honest with you. And even though um, at one stage of the second half, being nine, ten points ahead, you were saying we were home and hose, but um, the finishing score, 121 to 119, Waterford had a very good uh, last 15-minute period and they pushed Cork to the pin of the collar. And that would disappoint Cork management. They had they, they had the foot on the pedal and um, they seemed to take it off and made a lot of changes and um, gave Waterford back the initiative but look I, I, I'm being positive in terms of there was passages of play which were very very good um, they had maybe 10-15 minute periods uh, which were very very good after half time was exceptional they came out very very strong um, and they didn't do that against Clare um, and it, 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 they paid a heavy price for it some things that I liked about last weekend is um, the likes of Kieran Joyce is number six. He was absolutely superb for Cork. Um, I thought Brian Hayes, um, traditionally known as as a footballer, um, acquitted himself very very well. I think he's he's he could be a major major difference for Cork in terms of being a target man at the edge of the square, at the corner of the square, and even the likes of Patrick Horgan maybe playing off this guy. Um, Jack O'Connor playing off this guy, you know, uh, Conor Lee Han playing off this guy because he is a strong lad and I, I thought he acquitted himself very, very well. On the other side, you got to look at Waterford and I thought Waterford were really poor and I know they're missing a lot of players because of injuries. And again, Martin and you and myself, Michael, we've mentioned this over the last couple of weeks, the amount of people that have gone off the pitch last weekend again with injuries, hamstrings gone. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's a seriously worrying team. Um, and to, again, right, you know, you'd eaten too many from Cork. He kind of he, he was out for the last couple of weeks with a hamstring. He started midfield with Cork ten minutes into the game. He goes down. Yeah. That's right. That's holding right. And, and, and it's the same. It's exactly holding his hamstring and he's gone. Uh, the Kilkenny match. Uh, uh, Robbie Flynn back. After missing most of the championship last year, goes with a hamstring gone for six to eight weeks, you know. And 
and, and I presume it's the same all over the country in terms of guys picking up these type of injuries and that that has to be a concern in terms of championship coming in in April not going to be available maybe for the next two matches does it it it, it, it certainly has a big uh, big negative effect in terms of that player's confidence his uh, preparation to get his place in the team come championship time Hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a exactly mirror image in 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 Mayo's game against Tyrone last weekend. You know, you you were you were talking there about Young Toomey going off injured after uh, nine minutes. Similarly, Dearman O'Connor, who had been out for a good part of last year, he was gone after four minutes with a hamstring injury. And again, the guy who they were pinning a lot of hopes on, um, Kieran McBride, who was full back in the in the previous games. He went. He is, I gather, a grade two hamstring injury, and he missed most of, uh, quite a bit of last year because of these injuries. And the, the 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 actual damage it does to confidence, and the damage it does to a team structure, and the, and and the uncertainty it creates around the whole kind of approach is, I think, it, it, it's incalculable in many respects. And you have to look at the amount of training, the type of training and all of those. I know these are professional people that are doing the training and all of that. And who am I to question them in many ways? But as a spectator, I'm just kind of, in a sense, reacting to what I'm seeing in front of them. And like young Tony going off and young O'Connor, dear Ed O'Connor going off from an early stage the last day, after all the warm-ups, et cetera, et cetera, before, and you just wonder, are they being asked to do too much by way of training? Yeah, it is, Gaff, Michael. We were. I was coming out after the court match last Sunday, and kind of one former prominent player, when it was mentioned about hamstrings, he says, "Jesus Christ!" He says, "Sure, in our time, weren't we eating those?" That's where John went from. You never, never. There was an element of the apes about you down there. We never heard. Moss, Moss. Yeah. Okay, while I have you there, um, I was listening to that match between Cork and Waterford uh, on the radio, and one thing that came up for mention a couple of times, of course, was the Cork jersey. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Came up a lot. It came up a lot, yeah. Forever, like, we've known Cork, the blood and bandages, obviously, and all that. Um, Now, kind of, I'm not not criticising the jersey by any means, whatever, because things change and all that kind of stuff. But now it's kind of like Cork stroke AC Milan kind of. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, I, I, people were surprised to be honest with you. It, it looked like 
a training jersey, uh, training shorts that you would maybe have out during the week for training sessions as well, right? You know, and and a lot of people were upset because yeah, we are the we are the red and white. And I, I look, we've changed in the past. Cork have changed in the past, and look, it, it, you're looking at commercial entity and stuff of like that as well in terms of. You can't change every year, maybe every one or two years or every two years they change and they bring in a new style. Um, they get sales, they get sales out of it and stuff of like that as well. But I think, look, I don't think anybody have, 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 have any issues with that. I just thought it was, yeah, you're, you're right. Like AC Milan or IX or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't the traditional Cork. And I know there was a lot of people upset, but look, if you're a marketing team and it's O'Neill's or it's Porsche Direct and stuff of like that. They're going to, they're they're hitting the younger generation, the younger audience to see this this flashy style jersey with all the different stripes, whatever, all the different colors and stuff like that. Because that's what the young people want. That's what the yeah. young people want to buy. You know, so yeah. there there is a method to, to the marketing behind that as well, and it's it's relevant to sales and stuff like that as well. And young kids, they see a Patrick Organ or they see a Karen Joyce wearing this. Hey, mommy and daddy, I want one of those for the next match I go to, you know, so. Yeah. And it's no different to Manchester United. It's no different to Liverpool after last weekend, I'm sure. They'll all be wanting to kiss um, on the back, on the bandwagon with that as well, you know. So, um, but the, I didn't, I wasn't particularly impressed, I must say. Yeah, but could I add one little thing to that, Tomas and Michael? There's the other thing of the numbers in jerseys. Mm, that yes. I, I honestly believe in an awful lot of cases, not enough, shall we say, importance is given to these numbers and that they stand out and they're distinguishable from the from the jersey that they're adorning. Like sometimes... Is that, is that, that old age, no, Martin, or spec savers or sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> well, I lost my glasses yesterday when I found them this morning, so <laughs> I can't be, I can't be, shall we say, self-criticising myself for having without glasses. But no, honestly, sometimes the, the colour kind of blends in with the backdrop. And it makes it very, very difficult to see, even with, when you have the bulbs working, you know, at full throttle, so to speak. <laughs> well, no, that, 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 that no, is So, how dare, again, how dare you? How dare again. you be criticising my eyesight? <laughs> no, but again, you're, you're right, both of you, in the sense that, uh, again, listen to what I can't remember which one it was now, but one of the match reports on radio over the weekend, and that, and that point was being made, and, um, uh, that it was difficult to read the numbers because back in the day, for example, to most Kilkenny hurlers, and um, the, the the black and the black and amber, yeah, the black and amber, but they always yeah. had these big white patches white, on the back right. with the number on it. I mean, that that always stands out to me, kind of, you know, yes. uh, but, yeah. Yeah, it's only it may, maybe to the players and to the county boards and that it, it's only a small point. For, but for the spectator, to the uninitiated in particular who go to the occasional game, and they have a program in front of them, that you know they just what number was that at the far side of the field they're asking you know and sure enough it's okay for you you know who the guy is so to speak and it's easy to kind of maybe just uh, you know instinctively identify him but you need Martin, that Martin, number uh, Martin Martin I have a yeah. solution I have Go a solution on. don't tell anybody <laughs> alright don't we'll, tell anybody we'll put we'll put them in yellow the same as the slitter and the new football that's going to be brought out that's all right. I'd bring John Friendy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want a solution. 
Michael, come back to Michael, did you have any problem when you were sitting watching the Galway footballers last weekend with numbers? Well, do you know what? Uh, as, as we said, as as we said a moment ago, oh, it's a monster and all the Christ coming up with that question. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. G- genuinely, when you when you know lads, you know them, kind of. And particularly in football, hurling is slightly different, obviously, because of helmets and things like that. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the one yeah. the one thing that struck me more in Salt Hill last Sunday was uh, trying to identify the number of fellas who weren't there as opposed to those that were not making any excuses for Galway because Derry were were certainly, Martin, the better team. There's no yeah, doubt yeah. about that. But two two points I want to make, Martin, if I may or, or just ask you about. Yes. Um, obviously, the number of people missing from Galway like was is, is just, a, a, and you, you, we've touched on this like in terms of injuries and so forth, you know. Um, like Jamie and Colmer, for example, I'm, I'm just wondering, this is the Galway full forward. Um, yes. He's missing more matches than he's playing these days, you know, so. That's right. That's right. Oh, no, he has been, he's been absolutely wrecked with injuries in the last while. She was alongside him. Paul Conroy was, as I said, Liam Silk was gone, Jack Lynn. But Damien Comer basically has been, in a sense, lurching from one injury to the next, kind of, you know, here, here a game, gone a game kind of thing. And yeah. it's very, very difficult to build up a run of form. It's very difficult for him to, shall we say, sharpen up his game, you know, alongside his teammates. They need to kind of get used to his style. He needs to kind of reestablish, him, you know, himself with them. But when you're going from one injury to another, Michael, it kind of deems that practically impossible. And I think his return to full health is vital for Galway. And like this weekend coming, like Galway are, I think they're away to Monaghan. It's a big, yeah, week. Yeah. it's a big game for both actually. Like if Monaghan lose that, I'd say Monaghan will probably go down. Uh, because the the most points they can gain after that is six points. Whereas if Galway win that, Galway, okay, they've left themselves, I think, in a reasonable state. I know they, their last two games are against uh, Kerry and against Dublin, difficult assignments. But this is a must-win game for Galway at the weekend. And if they had Damien Comer uh, fully fit, if they had Shea Walsh fully fit, those guys are critical to a successful Galway season. And to have so many of them injured at the moment makes life very difficult for Porrick Joyce. It might it makes life very, very difficult to get a team system working. It that in that sharpness kind of around the the, the team kind of uh, improved on. And uh, to have them fit with over the next few uh, weeks is critical to a successful Galway season. Because remember, Michael. We're into March this weekend. Our championship starts at the beginning of April. And uh, basically, unless lads are kind of certainly kind of going full throttle over the next number of weeks, it's going to be very hard for them to see their best form when championship comes around in in in, in April and May. One other question, Martin, that I, I just want to, to uh, ask you to think about is <clears throat> looking at Derry last Sunday, and we all know that um, some of the Glen players went straight from winning the club championship uh, straight back into the Derry team and were, were applauded for that and whatever. Uh, I was watching last Sunday, Conor Glass at yeah. midfield, an outstanding player. And yeah. for the first, Martin, for the first 20 minutes, maybe, he was dominating the middle of the field. Yeah. 
Yes. Then I noticed after that, himself and a couple of the other Glen players, they just kind of faded out of the game. And I'm just yeah. wondering, are they playing too much football too early in the year? There could be that. There could be an element of that to it, actually. It's impossible for the body to keep kind of, shall we say, finding its best form when it hasn't had a, when it hasn't had an opportunity to recover. Now, nobody know better than Mickey Hart the requirements in that respect. And I wouldn't be surprised to see over the next couple of games, Mickey Hart resting Connor Glass and resting mm. the game at the Glen players now that they have sufficient points to get to a league final and to prepare themselves for the um, for the Ulster Championship. But to ask them to continue to play over the next three games, when from a points point of view, it's going to make no difference. And um, I think it's asking too much of them. I know you could say the same, you know, when, when you look at the Cliffords down in, in, um, in Kerry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, in fairness to Clifford's, I think Jack O'Connor gave the Clifford's the first couple of games off this year because of their uh, achievements with Fossa last year and the fact that they were going all year round. I saw in Mayo a, a, a Jack Carney, who again the previous year had won the All-Ireland Club with Kilmaine at junior level. But he wasn't given a rest. And he was like that, Michael. He, You would get maybe 10 minutes, like I know from being involved in the club junior uh, intermediate team this year um, against him. You get maybe ten minutes off him, but the rest of the time he was just operating on kind of on memory. And I'd think, and I said, there is that danger with Connor Glass and the Glen lads. They need to be maybe just rested up a little bit now if they're to get the best out of themselves in Championship. Because Championship means, apart from your, your provincial um, kind of campaign, it means a minimum of three games for Sam Maguire after that before you get to a quarter final. You have a, a yes, huge, yeah. huge, huge uh, schedule of games in a very, very concentrated period of time. Everything's shoehorned into maybe a seven or eight week period. And you need freshness, certainly, later in the season. And for that, to achieve that, rather, I think the likes of Glass and the Glen lads maybe should be given time off. But again, it's up to a management and it's up to the players themselves, maybe just to talk through with management. Yeah, surely. Um, last week, guys, we were talking, amongst other things, about Kildare football. It was Glenn Ryan uh, and uh, the, the issues there, kind of, you know, this is the Kildare manager and and what was going on in Kildare and whatever. And Martin, it didn't get any better last weekend. Oh, no, it didn't get better. It didn't get better at all, actually. And, you know, like, as Colin, Colin Marouk said, the lead manager afterwards, he's a very young team, a young team that are kind of finding their way, so to speak. But to win the last day, like, it took them up to five points and has taken them, it has left them comfortable for, you know, in that division probably for the coming year. But Kildare, Kildare without a point. If, for example, this weekend, they're travelling to Cork this weekend, if they lose that game, and like Cork of just two points. But if Kildare lose that game, I think they're, that's Kildare bunched. That's Kildare yes, in the top yeah. of territory. 100%. Yeah. So that's the, this is a huge weekend for Kildare. Like the following weekend, they go on, or the next game rather, I think it's on the St. Patrick's Day weekend. They're, um, I think they're at home to Donegal, but home as we know is in Carlow now. And uh, honestly, I believe for, by, in, in losing to, um, in losing the last eight, I mean, they've left themselves in a perilous position and would be hot flavours to go down to Division 2 at this stage. And there's one other small point about Kildare that I've noticed. They've played four games, Michael. They haven't scored a goal kind. 
Like, I yeah. mean, their opening game, they scored 12 points against Cavan. Their second game, I think, they scored, was it, again, the same number against um, against Fermanagh. They lost the third game, they scored eight points against Fermanagh. Last week, they only scored nine points. So it's clear, maybe, to the outsider looking in, that apart from maybe poor morale within the group, there's certainly an issue up front when it comes to scoring. And without scoring a goal over four over four games, the finger is pointing very clearly in one direction. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, Martin, I have to agree with you. They look like Division Three next year. You know, that's just the reality of it. But anyway. Yeah, well, look, at you, you don't wish it on anybody, but that looks the reality. It's simple. And incidentally, could I just make a small little point about uh, Cork travelling last weekend and the beat for Mana? They played in the ground last weekend in Edderney. Now, some of you might know where Edderney is. When I happened to drive through it last weekend, going from uh, Ballyshannon to Oma to the Mayo game, and Edderney is between two little villages called Latinkesh. And both of them, it's the only place that, in, in, certainly in Kesh, that you see a free Presbyterian church. No, <laughs> I, I kid you not. I kid you not. Edwin is about two miles further down the road and there's clearly a nationalist enclave there. But they brought Cork up there and they're a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Gaelic community there. Wonderful footballing community. And to us, I'd love you to meet maybe one or two of the Cork lads and just ask them about the welcome they got there, the quality of the facilities there and all of that. But it's one of those grounds that it's it's very difficult to win in. But Cork, I think by virtue of their last minute scores, actually kind of put one over in Fermanagh. And I know there's huge disappointment up there that they didn't make the, uh, the most of the opportunity. Yeah, and but, just, uh, Martin, I'd say, yeah, I think, look, yeah, it was, it was a fair a fair amount of travel for Cork footballers in the last couple yeah. of weeks and stuff as well. And I was in Park Equivent, you know, people were on their phones, people were, were listening to, to Radio 1 to get updates on the match and stuff like that. that we'd say the so-called hurling fraternity and you had a lot of football people there that couldn't have travelled to Fermanagh and uh, there was there was a bit of a, 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 a I say a bit of excitement when they got the final result to say that Cork had managed to get a win above there because people were were questioning Cork football for the last couple of weeks probably still are questioning Cork football but I think that was a that was a, a massive result for John Cleary and his backroom team because um it takes a bit of pressure off because there was a lot of pressure, I would think, definitely. And this talk of going down to Talton Cup and stuff like that as well was was, was weighing heavily on them, I'd say, John Cleary himself. And uh, uh, it was a good result. So they got to, but they got to follow her up, I think. But they got to follow up this weekend against Kildare. It's a huge yeah, follow against Kildare. And then things won't look so bad if they get a result there. Yeah. Um, well, they need but, to get a result of that, Tomas, and they need to get the result of next week against Meath, because their yeah. final game of the the final game, I, th- I think, in the league is against Armagh. And yes, the, uh, that's right. Armagh, to me, of all the two divisions, have you could nearly kind of say have been the form team. They've been outstanding, actually, in many respects. And then there is certainly they will not be an easy team to uh, take points from, even if it is the last game of the league. And, and that's a fair point. Yeah, uh, just just going back there a second, uh, Martin, and talking about small venues that you were talking about in Fermanagh and that kind of stuff um, at the weekend. I remember a couple of years ago uh, doing a feature for RTE Sport for uh, the Sunday game or something. I can't remember exactly what it was uh, on the smaller counties in football. 
Yes. And there was a league match between Waterford and Wexford. And they right. played down in a place called Leamy Bryan in Waterford. Yes, Leamy uh, Bryan, yeah. Yeah, small, small little, small little club, and that kind yeah. of crack. In actual fact, if you look at the tables at the moment, unfortunately, Waterford are bottom of Division Four in the football. But uh, there you go. But anyway, uh, we're going around to the Canberra crew. We're doing a, a kind of a feature on this match. You know, what it's like, kind of in the in the lower echelons, if you like. And this fella uh, watching the match, and there was only about two hundred people watching it. In fairness. But he looked at us going past and he says, you covered it, lads. And I said, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said, we're, we're, we're doing a bit. And he says, I presume you're doing it for the death notices. <laughs> That's lovely, Michael. That's lovely. <laughs> anyway, Tomas, looking forward um the hurling fan and both of you in actual fact kind of you know over the next weekend let's say what can we expect what what should we we be looking out for well I, I suppose look when I was listening on the way to the match uh, on Sunday because it was acquired for I was listening to some of the other results and I, I was getting a bit of excitement about the performance from Offaly I mean they had a brilliant first half against Kilkenny and I'm yeah, saying, yeah yeah can they maintain this? Can they maintain this? And then you were here. There was a there was a gale of a breeze favoring Kilkenny into the second half, and ten minutes into it, Kilkenny had actually whittled down that lead and, and gone ahead. You know, but it it has to be good for Offaly. You know, I think Martin myself we were mentioning, and it's you know Wexford against Clare. Wexford won thirteen, Clare sixteen points last weekend in difficult conditions. Clare that were absolutely flying, and this was. This was in the melting pot down to the last stroke and there was an opportunity for Wexford to win it with a free, but it tailed off wide. But, like, I like to see that, Michael, in terms of, you know, we, we all talk about Limerick and we can talk about T. Kenny or we can talk about Galway or Tipperary. But for Hurling, we need Wexford. We need Offaly. We need them to be performing at their best. We need Cork to be performing at their best. Because we're, 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 we're not even mentioned when you come to Limerick, Galway and Tipperary or T. Kenny. Parker even below that, and kind of the one, the one, the one team that's there, and it's Waterford uh, in terms of where they're at, because there are ten or twelve fellas out injured. You know, you've two matches left in your league campaign in terms of hurling, and then you're into April where championship comes, right? And like I, I would say the same thing about Cork in terms of eleven changes last weekend. Will Pat Ryan make more changes for the next game to blood new players to see more players? But when do you stop and say, I need consistency now, I need to start picking my championship 15, we got to play together. And I think like Davey and Corker in that mould, to be honest with you, I think Brian Lowen and Clare is probably more where he is when he's starting 15. Um, Liam Cal and Tipperary the same way as well. Uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks in terms of, of this campaign and who wants to push on now uh, in terms of going to a league final or going to league semi-finals, you know? I'm I'm just thinking that um, I saw a couple of things, Tomas, during the week about Dublin hurlers and and where they're at, and questions being raised uh, by people: Has Michal Donoghue, their manager, taken them as far as he can take them, or where are they at? Because I know personally, there's a lot of push in Dublin to promote hurling, and that. But at the moment, it seems to be stuck in the glue. It do, it does, Michael. And you know, it, it's it's they get to a certain level, 
Um, but can they push themselves beyond the level that level then, right? And there was a lot of excitement back in Dublin getting to an Ireland semi-final under Anthony Daly, you know, um, having a bit of success, very good success. But really, has it materialised afterwards? I mean, the problem that you have is the dominant or the dual player status. The guys that are really playing very well in terms of club hurling above there are probably footballers as well, and they're given their allegiance to Dublin football, and it's going to be very, very difficult, you know, and I suppose when you look at their score, 118, had a good 15, 20 minutes opening period against Limerick, but then they were blown away, you know, just blown away, and and that's what Limerick, Limerick are doing to most teams, right? I mean, Limerick putting up the score, 330 on a a Saturday night, you know, in, in, in Crow Park, it's, it's as ominous for everybody else around the country. And I was going to slag in a couple of Limerick guys and them text messages. We might as well hand you out the cup now at this stage, you know. So, um, because uh, they look very, very dominant and um, uh, exceptional, to be honest, which are very, very good. And uh, Dublin, well, unfortunately, Dublin, unfortunately, going into Crow Park, you come up against a Limerick team like that, Michael. There's not a whole lot you can do, you know. No, there's not. I was just going to say that, like, you wouldn't blame any team for getting beaten by Limerick at the moment. Uh, that's for sure. Um, Moss, we'll leave it there because we've we've covered everything, I think. Um, as I said, always good to talk to you guys. Um, we'll have plenty more to talk about this time next week when we're back again after the next round uh, of fixtures. But for the moment, to Moss McKay and to Martin Carney, thank you so much. Thank you to all of you for listening. See you in a week's time. 